Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Join us for a journey as we go back to the great civilizations of the past. Who were the people? What were they like? How did they begin? And how did they end? Let's find out on this episode, Fan of History. Hello, Dan. Hello, Bernie. How are you today? I am really happy to get into this story. You are? Yes. But first, some uh, formalia. Is that a word in English? Formalia, like formalities. Ah, formalities. Uh, So we moved Confucius to the 500s. Yeah. So he's not in here. We have also nothing from Rome again. Wow. In the 530s, Servius Tullius will get murdered. So there will be Roman stuff in the 530s. Okay. But in order to get an episode in the 560s, I had to use everything I had on him. Ah, Before his murder. So Rome will be back next decade. Yay, Rome. And then, one important piece of news. There's now a new way to support the podcast. It's called Fan of History Plus. It's uh, somewhat like Patreon, but easier to use. You get your personal RSS feed that you can put in any podcast player. Hmm. And there are some technical benefits to it. So uh, there's a link in the show notes. So I've set up one basic level for Fan of History Plus, and we might add another later. But for now, there is a level that says support the show and get rid of the ads. And it includes uh, a picture of Bernie with uh, great muscles in his arms standing in front of an Assyrian relief. (laughs) (laughs) All right. This is $4 plus VAT. Uh, a month. And for that, you support the show. Uh, we don't have any way of interacting with you through this interface. But you get a personal RSS feed, and on that feed, there 
are no ads. You get rid of all the ads in the show. Well, fantastic. And I'm thinking about archiving the earlier episodes. We have noticed that people listen a lot to episode one, two, three, and four of Fanwister. Those episodes are almost 10 years old. Mm -hmm. And I'm not happy with that being the first impression of the show. Yeah. But I'm evaluating Fan of History Plus, this software for other podcasts. And it might be a couple of months before we introduce another level. But that level would be access to all the archived shows. Okay. Pretty much. And also possibly early access to shows we have made but not published yet. Oh, all right. Yeah, we could come up with a lot of good little giddy goodies. If you, if you some things you guys think of, let us know for sure. Yeah, but if you uh, if you want to support the show and don't like Patreon, now you can use Fan of History Plus. There is a link in the show notes. That would be great. Four dollars a month. That's uh, all we ask, and no more ads. That'd be fantastic. I would really like to get some of those sponsors. We could use the we could use the help. We have to. I have to like um, pay for some subscriptions and stuff like that so that I can find this information. But so anything you guys could do to help, yes, that'd be awesome. Okay, back to business in Greece. Back to business in Greece. And there, I'm using like two computers here. I have two mouses. Is it mouses or mice? But anyway, it's funny. I've talked in the last episode We how like everything's sort of merging together and we're sort of following Herodotus. And Herodotus goes all over the place. He goes in pat- backward and forward in time, geography. He's, he's good. I mean, that's just the way he did it because I feel like he was telling a story and we kept it interesting. So we're breaking it down as best as we can, too. So this episode's going to be on Greece and Carthage, but there's there's just getting to be so much more overlap. The only overlap we don't really have right now is, I would say, is uh, China and the Americas. And in India. And India, yeah. There will be Indian stuff in the 540s. Yeah, so the Far East and the Far West, but all in the middle... We really, um, they're really starting to get a lot together. You know, like a lot of stuff's all happening together. It used to be, you know, we talked about the Assyrians and we didn't know about the Greeks, but now the Greeks and the, the Neo-Assyrians or the Neo-Babylonians, which are like the new Assyrians. People are meeting up, uh, connecting with each other. I'm sure it will all turn out in a nice, happy way. It really probably will, Dan. It probably, <laughs> probably will. It will. One good way to promote the good connections between different people is, of course, sports. Do we have any sport news? We do, at least the Greeks. Because the Greeks, you know, they, they may be fighting with other people around the world, but they fight plenty a lot with each other. And now, currently, um, we are in the starting with the 58th Olympians, Olympics, Olympiad. And we always do that. And so we have our first... Um, is the stadium. That's the main one. That's the race. And that's won by (laughs) Diagnetos from Croton. Croton is in uh, southern Italy. It's one of those uh, Magna Gratia uh, colonies. Look, people are traveling across the sea to compete in the Olympics. This is connection. Yeah. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. 
Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's, it's, yeah, this Olympics has kept the Greeks connected. And then as the Greeks moved into the, you know, into the Western Mediterranean and the Eastern, you know, the Black Sea, they, they still came, traveled to the, uh, Olympics and that where the Olympics were in Ellis was kind of like a backwater and it was quite a tra- a journey to get to these to the Olympics you know it was and 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 they weren't very comfortable especially at this time like as when the Romans were more involved later it got more and more like a comfort thing but it's a, people died on the way it's a brutal but they went they went to the Olympics and it was not televised so so yeah it's the first one is the stadium is a very popular one uh, that was the race and like I said that was Diagnetos in the same year, we had the chariot race, which is called the Tethrippon. And we have a guy named Ugaro or Ugaros. And he is from Sparta. Nice to see another Lacedaemonian win. It is. and Good work, Sparta. Yes. And this guy, actually, and someone just blasts his name every time, right? Um, he wins that in the 58th, which was 548 BC. He wins it again the 59th, which was 544 and we have that he won it in the uh, 60th as well, at 540. He's the prime chariot racer in the world in the 540s BC. Yes, in the Greek world anyway, but I would say it's probably because, you know, they're not really using chariots in battle anymore by now. Well, some people are because we know Alexander the Great fought against chariots, but they're not as common, especially in Greece, in battle. And I mean, I, I didn't even look at before or after. I have to take a look. Maybe this guy won, you know, later. But like I said before... The chariot races, I mean, he wasn't the charioteer. He was the owner of the of the team. So that was sort of how that worked. So he can be winning for like 10 more Olympiads if he's lucky. Yeah, he could win forever. It'd be like a football team, you know, like they could keep winning, but they have different people. He's the oligarch owning the team. Correct, Amundu. And we move on to boxing, my sport. And we have a guy named Praxadamus, and he's from Agena. And this is in 544 B.C.? Thank you. Thank you. Sorry. Yeah, that was at the 59th Olympics in 544. We got another guy from Corcyra, which is Corcyra. Yeah. They have spell these different spellings. And he won the stadium, and his name is Archaeolocos. <laughs> Again, like I said, the Spartan won. And we have boys boxing in the 540s. We're getting to one that's really important here, though. So boys boxing, we have in the 540s, we have a guy named Leo Creon. Leo Creon, he was from Chaos, K-E-O-S. 
Where's that? I'm not sure. I should know. I think it's somewhere on my Assassin's Creed, if I recall, um, being in chaos. So I think it's on the mainland. I don't think it's an island. We'll look at the... We'll, you know, uh, we'll it is, it in fact, an island. It is an island. How about that? Oh, it's, it is an, there is an island of chaos on Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and I don't believe I've gotten to it yet. It's in the dark area. It's the southeast of Athens. Yeah, okay. Chaos. Here's the big one. This is the great. I've been waiting to hear talk about this guy a little bit since I kind of when I started this podcast because the guy I, used to be our swimming coach for boxing, Ken. I haven't seen him in a while. He's, when I told him we had a podcast, he said, you know this Milo of Croton? I was like, no, tell me about him. So I'm going to tell you. In 540 BC, he won the boys wrestling. Milo did. This was his first victory. And he's becomes quite legendary, Milo of Croton. Croton again is in the south of Italy. He was he won the Olympics six times, so we'll know he wins. He won and this one as a boy in 540, and then he won the next. He won five more. He kept competing well after what it normally would have been. So by the 67th, that he didn't, that he didn't win. I don't even know if he competed in it. He would have been over 40 years old. That's 28 years later. Yeah. Than this. That's what it says here. Says that's what the people on screen say. Says. <laughs> uh, what what does it take to be a boy in the Olympics? We did all, we talked about this. We weren't really sure because people didn't know. Pretty much couldn't have a beard. I think. So probably under 18, but well, good enough under 18. Maybe it's 14 here and 42 in the 67th Olympiad. Yeah. I'm glad I have a math person here to help me with that quick. <laughs> I didn't even double check that. <laughs> yeah. So he's well, been over 40. So um, he, he was strong, apparently. He's historically a person, we believe, because Aristotle's talked about him, Pausanias, Cicero, even Herodotus. So he's probably a real person. But there are legendary stories around him. One of them is in the 510, so I'll save that one because it's a crazy story. And his death, which was tragically and comically epic. You'll actually see um, like statues about his death. They used to show his rippling muscles and whatnot. But here, here's some of his uh, feats of strength that he supposedly took a lot of pleasure you know, letting, to showing off. One is he would hold his arm out with his fingers outstretched. And he would challenge people to attempt to bend just his little finger. <laughs> he would stand on a greased iron disc and challenge people to push him off. He would also hold a pomegranate in one hand and challenge others to take it from him. Nobody ever could. And despite him holding the fruit real tight, it was never damaged. Those are three I had never heard of until just recently. But this one is the one Ken used to tell us about all the time. The story, and you may have heard this, I don't know. Some of you guys may have. The story is that he would train by taking a, a newborn calf on his back, and he would put it on when it was a baby, and he would walk around with it all day until, like, the Olympics took place, and then, by then it was a full-grown cow. <laughs> now, that seems a little, uh, I don't know. <laughs> and, and this is great. He, was, he carried the full-grown cow the length of the stadium, and he proceeded to kill it, roast it, and eat it. <laughs> That's a bit macho. Yeah, I would say. You think we're machos guys today? 
This guy comes in the stadium carrying his cow, slaughters and eats it. All right, who's next? <laughs> Who wants to wrestle with that guy? I know, literally. He's like Hercules. They say he dressed like Hercules. You walk around like that. So he was quite a character. Quite a character. He must have been one of those, you know, like the strong men of DC, the 1920s, the 1800s. Big strong wrestler guy. So uh, we'll hear from him again, Milo of Croton. Yeah, not too much. There's a little story, but it's in the 510, so let's do it then. There's so much anymore, too. So I hope you guys, you know, let us know. Like, if hey, we don't need all this detail. But, I mean, that we do 10 years at a time, I figure I'm going to give you a lot of detail. Yes, please. So we are going to go back to our friend Pisistratus. Remember him? Oh, yes. Yeah, Pisistratus is like, you learn about him in school and stuff even. There's a lot of information about him because this is like, you know, the prelude start of Athenian democracy, but he was no Democrat. He was no, you know, real hell. He kind of was. He was a he was a tyrant, but he was a uh, populist. So, if you remember, he was gone out of town for the second exile because he had been make, had, making love to his wife, not on a Marduk's mattress emporium. He was making love to her. Maybe he was on one, but he was doing it in an unnatural way, according to Herodotus, and it was a scandal. And because he didn't have babies with her, and he was gone. They kicked him out again. So he left with his two sons, Hippias and Hipparchus, who will become important later. And he started plotting to um, make money and come back to Athens and take power. So he spent, this is about 546, and he left sometime around... 556-ish, something around that. So he's been gone for about 10 years. He got involved in mining, making deals with people, et cetera, et cetera, and he had some money. So what he did was he got a bunch of mercenaries, and he came back, and he landed on the beaches of Marathon. And so now they said him and his family and his – he always had a lot of close family links with the villages in that area. And he was also, if you recall, like a populist. And he, the people loved, a lot of people liked him. He was, you know, sort of like a Trump type of figure, but he was, he was a populist. And people liked him, and so they supported him. And he sort of built, he had his mercenaries, but he built up, so he got some people came to him. We had those, remember, he had the rich people, Megacles and Lycurgus, and those hard for Bernie to pronounce names that were in power in Athens. And they were the, you know, the oligarchic people. And they were sort of haughty. They thought, well, this, what's this Pisistratus, this stooge going to do? You know, he was kind of their stooge before. They say that possibly the two times he was in charge before, some historians theorize that he may have just been like a figurehead, you know. That's why he couldn't really ha- have a lot of his own power. So then what? these 10 years while he was gone, he learned how to, you know, he made all these plans. So he lands on Marathon with his army and his mercenaries, and he... The Athenians uh, get some people together, come out to meet them. and But they were, like, taking their time. They didn't seem like they had much of a plan. And they stopped and had lunch and breakfast. I think it was breakfast, right? It says they're having some breakfast. And then, so Pisistratus, he had some oracles that told them he would catch the tuna in the net, stuff like that. And so he went and he caught the Athenians just lounging around. Just I think they were taking naps. In fact, Herodotus does say they were taking naps too. They were eating, taking naps, just chilling out. And he came in with a, a, 
a thousand crack Argive hoplites and, a th- and Theban cavalry, and he just like routed them. Some of the Alcimonids were killed right in the front line of battle. Then, they, so they left. They just the Alcimonids were they were only in for a little while back in the city, and now they took off. So then, Pisistratus had his sons ride after the fleeing Athenians and say, "Hey, hey, there's no problem." Stratus is your man. Just go back to your homes, go to work, do your thing, and everything's fine. Nobody's going to slaughter you. You're not going to be slaves, nothing. Just go. So they're like, great, because obviously they just got like, I mean, could you imagine a bunch of mercenaries come in, you're having breakfast, and you're just sort of like a citizen soldier. So now he's in. Pisistratus is in completely. And I wanted to bring this up real quick, and I like you probably have something to say or ask me, but do you remember we talked about it? I kind of didn't even re- realize what we was talking about at the time because I just sort of, you know, go decade by decade. His, what they, the, the, the prophecy on Pisistratus was his father was at the Olympic Games in like 608 or 604. And when he was sacrificing um, the meat, the water and all boiled without a fire. And so they said they, he should never have children. And if he does have a son to disown him. But he didn't, and his Pisistratus' his father obviously didn't, and then he became Pisistratus, the tyrant of Athens. <laughs> well, he must be really old at this point. No, no. So that was his father was just at the games, and he and he burned the meat without fire. But we don't know when he had the baby. He just said like he just saw his father. In other words, so that was like forty years ago, right? Six oh eight is like fifty years from sixty years. Something like that. Uh, I see this note that uh, Pisistratus fought under Solon in 596. Oh, yeah, he did. So he must be at least uh, 65, 70. Maybe he is old by now. In, in 546. You know, that's the thing with these, with the years. So, And he did fight under Solon. I believe we talked about that. He was Solon's lover and probably Solon's nephew. And Solon hated him. He just thought, you know, because he was a tyrant. But it will turn out that Pisistratus will be regarded by Aristotle and others as one of the good guys. Was that because he upheld Solon's laws? Yeah, he upheld all the laws of action of Athens, actually, but he did it in a way that was... So that's why those people think he's good. He did it in a way he, like, he would have his own judges in. Also, what he did now, after he had this, um, won this battle, he took, you know, the aristocrats, he took their children and had them sent to um, Naxos as his hostages. So if anybody gets out of hand, you know, kind of has that hanging over you. I mean, you know, for the ancient world, when you have, like, Assyrian kings just slaughtering you, cutting your ears and noses off, putting them in piles, you have a guy just taking your children for hostages, I guess sounds better, and fo- following the laws and installing his own judges. Basically, he was as corrupt as hell, but for those days, that was saying something. <laughs> Instead of being, you know, just an outright tyrant in quotes because as we've said before a tyrant just means you take power you know so yeah also what he did those but he would he was a populist so a lot of his rulings would favor the rural and the poor classes so they loved him you know and a lot of these guys are illiterate and stuff and they think he's amazing he instituted this um the pan athens festival that was probably started in the 560s but he really pushed it you know it's like they just they love having these festivals in greece you know if it's like you know, if you have footballs on on Sunday and Monday, they're like, well, maybe we can get on on Thursday, too. You know? So they were like, hey, maybe we could have a festival. Or everybody wants to have golf tournaments, that kind of stuff. So all these festivals are popping up around Greece. But Athens being 
you know, consolidating Attica, the whole peninsula at this time. They had this huge festival. He supported the arts, culture, drama, stuff like that. And this is pretty interesting, too. This is when the Iliad and the Odyssey really get written down, the uh, final editions. Because even if when you read Herodotus, you'll hear him talk about different versions, like, oh, well, I, you know, some pe- versions, this happened in Egypt, and some versions it didn't. And because the Greeks, you know, they, like, thought that they could trace their lineage back to these different characters in the Persian War, like this city was Agamemnon, and this city was Ajax, etc. Pisistratus sort of, and his people, they, they wrote it into, like, um, they put it into, like, a, what's the word? Like a Bible, basically. You know, here's what, here's what we say it is. And so this is when they, so that's why some people say there was never such a person as Homer, you know, all this stuff was being written down in the 600s and finalized in the 500s. But he did that. He, uh, you know how the Romans are into bread and circuses? Yes. Yeah, he did that. You know, he kept the people busy so they wouldn't be interested in politics. He, he, he like, he'd loan money and give money so that they could have farms and be really busy. And he, but he increased the economic output. So like it, it, people just, things were just going really well. And like I say, he didn't change the, the, the government officially. He just sort of, sort of ran all. He controlled all its levers. It seems that uh, the Athens of the next century is sort of getting formed here. It does. I, I was thinking today, like, imagine if you were in like New York City in 1850, maybe Stockholm too. I'm not as familiar with it because you know New York's more of a newer town city. And then to 1950, I mean, it's such a such a huge difference. Oh yes. Just getting built up in the 1850s more. And by 1950, I mean, of course, there's technology involved and everything, but I just think of Athens the same way. And like Athens used to just be the city state, but here now they're, it's becoming the, a real estate. You know, the, it's like Athens is the capital of Attica, that kind of thing. So, Pisistratus, the tyrant of Athens, what's happening in the rest of Greece? So, this other amazing thing happens. And this is why, because when we talk later, like Herodotus mentions something, goes, well, they wanted to do this, but this is what was happening in Athens, and that's Pisistratus. And then he says, and then they wanted to do, do this in Sparta, but this is what was happening in Sparta. This is great. <laughs> Crazy. Could be true, too. Some truth to it anyway. Um, you remember the Battle of the Fetters, Tegea, when the Spartans tried to invade Tegea, and then they ended up losing and getting chained up? Yep. Then, then got the bones, and then the Tegea became an ally. So they weren't fighting with Tegea, so... T- Tegea become more into Sparta's sphere of influence. And just like Athens and Attica is growing their region into a regional power, same thing with Sparta. So when it took over Tegea, um, now it's bumping up to, to Argos. So it's because this Argos and Sparta always had this little buffer zone between them, but now they didn't. What happens is Dairi, T-H-Y-R-E-A-E. That's how Herodotus, it's spelled in my translation, Herodotus. So so just it's this uh, town area, a plain um, in between Sparta and Argos, and so there, there Sparta invades, and Argos comes out to defend, to fight them, <laughs> and so they decide they come instead of fighting right away, they decide they say, hey, how about we pick three hundred guys on our side, three hundred guys on your side, and we fight it out, and whoever who's ever left has you know left standing on the field. That will be the victor. Sounds good, right? So you pick pick your 300 best guys, I guess, and your 300 best guys on the other side. And if you ever, I know I told Dan I've been playing um, Assassin's Creed 
Odyssey, which is set in ancient Greece, and you have these conquest battles, and it's just like that. It's like all these guys just, just fight each other, stab at swords and whatnot. So they have this one. They do one of these. They have this big battle, three hundred on one side and three hundred on the other, and apparently they fight all day, all day. These guys just fighting. I can just imagine. And uh, it comes down. There's only two guys left from Argos and one guy left from Sparta. And now, whether they know the one guy from Sparta is still alive or not is different. People say different authors, ancient authors say different things. One guy, people say the one guy maybe didn't, they didn't know he was dead and he was just wounded or, I, we don't know. So, but anyway, there was two left from Argos and one from Sparta. And the two from Argos figure they won. So they go back to the camp or back to Argos, wherever the army is. Oh, because I wanted to say, I did forget a little part. It's not super important, but before the battle starts, they each army agreed to not be near, let it happen, because if they were seeing one losing, one might be tempted to come in. So if they were just the 300 on each side, all the armies are gone. So the two from Argos, they feel they won, and they go back and tell, you know, to the camp or to Argos and say, you know, we're the winners. But one guy left from Sparta he goes and takes off all the dead arm body from all the Argo soldiers, takes all their armor off them, loots them and everything, and he brings them back and he says, you know, we won. <laughs> Just me. <laughs> I'm the only one left. <laughs> so both claim victory. Both claim victory. <laughs> they come back and they both, so guess what they did? They had to have a regular war instead. Yeah, they had to have a regular war without their 300 best soldiers on each side, I guess, and Sparta won. Sparta probably has a better bench. <laughs> so these 597 champions that died, that died in vain. <laughs> yeah. And the, last, and the last guy, the guy from Sparta, he kills himself. They either kills himself on the field or he goes home and kills himself. I mean, for whatever, uh, my opinion would be PTSD. <laughs> serious fucking sorry, but PTSD, serious. Could you imagine? 600 people, you're the, you like survive it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I can't help but note that there are 300 Spartans. All right. What's up with the number 300? It's like Thermopylae all over. Yeah, and how about the Sacred Band of 300? Mm. I don't know if anybody knows. I mean, I just it just hit me when I was like, I mean, I knew about this thing, but it just hit me this morning when I was tightening this up. What's the significance of the number 300? I also think about the fact that both Sparta and Argos are Dorians. And they're like the, the brothers that can never... Yeah, so maybe there's a Dorian thing that's the 300. Uh, sounds reasonable, but we don't know. It divides by six, right? Sort of. 60 is a number. Mm -hmm. Does 60 divide by 300? 60 times no. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, five. The 60 is a number, you know. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. Everybody's Every culture's got their numbers, that's for sure. And in those 10 years in, in Greece, I imagine other things happened. Of course they did. And there could even be other things historically that happen. But honestly, I think that as we go more and more into these decades, we, you know, I think we'll, we'll try not to, like, bore people with every last final thing. We can move on to Carthage. I think we could do Carthage in another episode, actually. We probably could. But we could talk about the end of the age of colonization. Yeah. So... Officially, they say if, that the age of colonization ends in 550 BC. There's probably some random colonies founded here and there, but honestly, most of them will be founded by other colonies. So it's not like, you know, they're scrambled for Africa or the scramble for the Mediterranean. I really think that's what it was like. It just took a lot longer. 
you know, the scramble for Africa by the Western powers, and then you sort of had a scramble for the Western Mediterranean by Greece. And Greece was like the Western powers because, you know, in the Western powers, you had France and Germany, and especially England and Spain, Portugal. And then here, you know, you have these different Greek city-states. Some of them speak different languages. There's about four different languages at least. And you have the Dorian-Ionian conflict. So it's kind of like that. It was, a, And then, of course, the Carthaginians, which were the Phoenicians, were already there. And so they are also scrambling now, changing the way they do things. So, so really, we could say that we won't have any new colonies. We usually do a new colony. Probably won't have any more of those going forward. So this means that the Mediterranean is colonized by either... Phoenicians or Greeks. Pretty much. And now we have to... That that sounds like it's ready for conflict. It does, doesn't it? It's like next phase of the game. It's ready for conflict. It sounds like a video game where the colonization phase is over. And now it's game on. Exactly. It really does. If you were playing, would you... Would you what do you think? Would you have the Carthaginians as their own civilization? Or would you... Like, could you have the Carthaginians, the Phoenicians, the Greeks, whatever? Or would you have... The Phoenicians be the Carthaginians. No, I would have the Carthaginians be their own civilization because they haven't been beaten down by the Assyrians and Babylonians, which the Phoenicians have. That's a good point. My opinion now from, and I've been reading a book on Carthage, and it's so funny. I'm reading the book on Carthage, and then I'm trying to get to this part of the like this era, and there's like zero, a huge book on Carthage. It's everything I already had. It wasn't even, that was it. So I think... I might disagree with you and think that the Phoenicians were, you know, I think that they kind of moved to Carthage starting at this point, but not per se. I think Carth. I think up until this point, it was sort of the same. And then by now, because we'll talk about in our Carthage episode some changes, because I I feel that by now, the because of what's happening in the Near East, the Assyrians had been in charge of the Phoenicians, but they really let them have a lot of their own authority. That's why I think they kept smacking them down every so often. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I read from historian that it's, pos- it's probable he feels that a lot of the reasons that they even went out west like that and kept going and finding all this silver and, and such was to please the Assyrians. In Carthage, they still have to take 10% of their earnings and take it to the um, Temple of Melkart in, in Tyre. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Because we have seen people move from Phoenicia to Carthage uh, already during the Assyrian era. Right. Uh, I uh, was reading ahead into the time of Cambyses, so this is kind of a spoiler. Yeah. But when Cambyses, the son of Cyrus, wants to go to Carthage and conquer it, the Phoenicians won't uh, sail there. Right. Yeah. And that's not too bad of a spoiler. You're all right to say that one. <laughs> so but that's, yeah, they wouldn't. They wouldn't. So, I mean, that's that could be like, you know, New Yorkers don't want to attack England because it's that by that time, because, you know, they're 100 years later. Eh, not really 100 years. And then, you know, so, 
Yeah. I mean, we did that interview with the Dr. Mailheimer, and he, they called themselves Punic. That's what their name, or their name was Canaan. They called themselves Canaanites, and that's what the Carthaginians called themselves, too. So hmm. I feel that the Phoenicians um, sort of merge, become the Carthaginians, and the pressure from the Greeks and later the Romans, of course, they become their own. You know, it's completely different from Phoenicia by the time they're the Carthaginians of the 200s BC. Our next episode, we will dive deeper into Carthage. Let's do that. Yeah, let's grab this one up and dive into Carthage. I will let you say any final words, and then we will close. If you like to support this show, you can do it on Patreon, as we've always said. But now you can also do it on Final History Plus, and there are links to both in the show notes. The, uh, on Patreon, you select an amount of money you want to per episode. One dollar per episode is quite great. And on Final History Plus, it's four dollars plus VAT. And then you get ad-free episodes of the podcast. I think it's worth it. I'm going to sign up myself, maybe. So I don't have to listen to the ads. <laughs> but the ads for Marduk's Mattress Emporium, they'll still get squeezed in. <laughs> Yeah, they're hard-coded, <laughs> so it, it, they cannot be avoided. But all the external ads will uh, will be avoided. Exactly. Check out our Facebook page and uh, follow me on Instagram, Dan Horning, with uh, an umlaut over the O. Right. I'm the only one in the world with that name. That's amazing. So, Carthage, next time. Let's do Carthage next time. Carthage must die. Yes. <laughs> Oh, it will be a long time before Cartage dies. <laughs> okay, we'll see you later, Dan. See you later. Cheers. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash fanofhistory. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks, and see you next time.